Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for your gifts to us. The gift of life and health. The gift of freedom to gather and worship. The gift of your grace in our hearts. Uh, Please help us to make good use of these gifts in Christ's name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. We are at the penultimate chapter of the cost of discipleship. It's Bonhoeffer's longest chapter, and so I'm going to divide it into two sections. Uh, We're going to cover half the chapter this week, and Lord willing, the other half of the chapter next week. But um, for our scriptural backdrop, uh, if you... We'll turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, and someone read that for me, for us, please. So, in my opinion, this is the best chapter in the entire book. Uh, If you read nothing else of Bonhoeffer, if you'll read this chapter, you'll walk away not really getting some of the more uh, questionable uh, views that he has. It's It's a very clear and direct presentation of what it means to be the community, the called out people. Remember... The overarching book is the cost of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And he's gone on to say that where we see Christ embodied is in the church. The church is the body of Christ. And so as we are growing together in the church, the body of Christ is being sanctified. But Bonhoeffer points out, that it's interesting, the New Testament does not refer to the Christians as those who are justified, even though we are justified. It does not refer to Christians as those who are redeemed, even though we are redeemed. How does it refer to Christians? Think of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul to the blank in Ephesus. To the saints. Thank you. 
those who are the Hagioi or who are being made holy, those who are the holy ones, the Hagioi. Think of a hagiography. Uh, a, a someone who is is a hagiography is is turning someone into something holy uh, by the way that you write about them, uh, and and so that the hagioi are how you and I are referred. Now it's interesting because that core definition of the saint is. Being made holy. And so it's the holiness that is at the core of how the saint engages with God. So Bonhoeffer says, only God is holy. He is holy both in his perfect separation from the sinful world and in the establishment of his sanctuary in the midst of that world. So both as God separates himself from darkness, but then also as he establishes sanctuary in the very middle of the darkness, the holiness of God comes into the world. That is the first, if we start... So, so there's so much about Christianity, there's so much about the cost of discipleship, frankly, that I think starts from a wrong foundation. The, the foundation that Scripture starts with is the absolute holiness of God. God is absolute light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And in us is a lot of darkness. In us is a lot that is not pure and holy and light. And so, the way in which we come to a right understanding of our walk with God, of our relationship with God, is beginning first by this recognition of His holiness. Because then that takes us to His purpose for us. And this is, again... <clears throat> this is not hidden in the scriptures. The, the reason that God redeems the children of Egypt, or children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, is to come and make of them a kingdom of priests. He continually calls it, he calls them to his holy mountain. He calls them to recognize his holiness and their need for atonement. And, and, and their need for walking in Him. He gives us all these pictures of the holiness that is foundational to our understanding of God. He redeems a people in order to make them a kingdom of priests. He brings them to Sinai, His holy mountain. He gives them the way of holy living. He takes the people of Israel to the very depth of their own sin in Leviticus. All the passages we've been looking at with the leprosy stuff that how the sin corrupts all that is around us and it comes from within and it corrupts us and yet there is washing, there is healing, there is atonement. And so it centralizes on Leviticus 16 and then how that holiness flows out from God's people to the world around. And Bonhoeffer goes on to say, he says, 
The death of Jesus is the manifestation of God's righteousness. It is the place where God has given gracious proof of his own righteousness. The place where alone the righteousness of God will dwell. By sharing in this death, we too become partakers of this righteousness. Now, that's beautiful. I would expand by saying, by sharing in his death, his resurrection, his ascension and reign. Uh, so so the, the entire work of Jesus Christ is what you and I are united to. Paul makes that very clear in Ephesians. He says, you who are dead in trespasses and sins have been raised up to... Uh, sorry, that's Romans 6. Uh, no, Ephesians. Anyway, seated with him in heavenly places. That's, that's the Ephesians passage. You're raised up together with him and seated with him in heavenly places. Our union with Christ includes his resurrection, ascension, and reign. But, but Bonhoeffer is right. He is right in centering us on if you want to see where the holiness of God is at its most clear display. You see it on the cross. There you see the wrath of God. There you see the holiness of God. There you see the judgment of God poured out in its eternal fury upon the perfect man of righteousness. And when we begin here in understanding what happens on the cross and what you and I are united to in Jesus Christ. When we begin here with this understanding of God's holiness and the centrality of that holiness upon the cross, then any idea of our own righteousness flies out the window. When we begin here, we begin to understand what Paul is driving at in Romans chapter 6, that sin is an identification with death. That's what sin is. It tastes like death. It smells like death. It is death. And for for us who desire to continue to live in sin, Paul says this is crazy. Do you not smell the death (laughs) that's there in Romans chapter 6? The dying to self, the dying to the old man, is the immediate fruit of justification. And, And Bonhoeffer says both justification and baptism, which is the public identification in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Both justification and baptism are once. You are justified once. You are baptized once. They are once events. But the recollection of that is the daily event. The recollection and the meditation on that
this daily event of washing ourselves fresh in the gospel. And I'm going to, I think, my intent at least, is to refer to this in the sermon. But there's a a closing. uh, This is from the Valley of Vision, a collection of Puritan prayers. uh, And this is a morning prayer. It's a lovely book. I would highly encourage it. Uh, But it's a morning prayer, and it closes me from this. Direct my feet that I be not entangled in Satan's secret snares, nor fall into his hidden traps. Defend me from assailing foes, from evil circumstances, from myself. My adversaries are part and parcel of my nature. They cling to me as my very skin. I cannot escape their contact. In my rising up and sitting down, they barnacle me. They entice with constant baits. My enemy is within the citadel. Come with almighty power and cast him out. Pierce him to death and abolish in me every particle of carnal life this day. That's a great prayer to start your day with. (laughs) But what, what that is, that desire for holiness, that desire that grows up from within the heart of the disciple. What that is, is itself the fruit of God's work in our lives and is what we call sanctification, being made more holy. When we begin here, we then understand that our relationship to sin is itself a death relationship. The dying to self, dying to the old man is the immediate fruit of justification, Both justification and baptism are once, never to be repeated. What we repeat daily is the recollection, the weekly divine proclamation. Bonhoeffer says, all that can happen has happened already, not only on the cross, but also in us. We have been separated from sin. We are dead. We are justified. This has happened. This is the life of the child of God. Now, It's providential that this passage and this section of of the book is coming up today because it very, or maybe it's just, I'm drawing the connections, but it, it, I think, dovetails with the central point of the sermon today. And that is, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised by Christian parents that tried to live their life faithfully and et cetera, et cetera. I defined my relationship in that household as one of rules and perceived hypocrisy. I was quick to note all the times that there was something imperfect (laughs) in the proclamation of what the rules were. (laughs) And it was not until much, much later, by God's grace, I came to realize I had missed the entire point. Christianity is not an ethic. Christianity is not a way of living. Christianity is certainly not a set of rules. 
Christianity is a person. It is God Himself. The person of God. And we hear it in evangelical Christianity, having a personal relationship with Jesus. And us Reformed people roll our eyes and go, oh, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a profound truth there that this is a person, not an ethic, not a philosophy. <laughs> this is a person with whom you and I engage. And this person is holy. And when this person transforms your heart, you become dead to what you were, and you become alive to holiness. And so Bonhoeffer says, sanctification is the fulfillment of the divine purpose enunciated in the words, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so Bonhoeffer says, we understand this sanctification, this becoming holy, becoming like God, becoming like Jesus Christ, seeing God and wanting to be like him. We become sanctified in three different ways. And I just want to touch on the first one. And leave the other two for next week. But I'll go ahead and list all three that he mentions. The means of sanctification is first the visible community. You can't talk about saints without a community of saints. Without pointing at them and saying, aha, there's the saints. And the visible community is maintained in walking in a manner worthy of the calling of holiness. You recognize that language, I hope, from the New Testament. We're called to walk worthily in, uh, after the manner in which we were called, pursuing holiness. And then thirdly, That sanctification, and this is, <laughs> this is a profound mystery, and yet I see it all the time. That sanctification will be hidden. Now, From whom do we hide our good works? Remember all the way back in the earlier chapters of the cost of discipleship. Do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. From whom do we hide our good works? We hide them from ourselves. From whom is our sanctification hidden? From ourselves. And you see it all the time. I guarantee you've seen it. Those Christians that are closest to Christ Jesus, those Christians that, those mature saints, 
Those ones that have walked with Christ and you just look at and you say, I wish that I could be like that woman, like that man, in the way that they love Jesus Christ. How many of those people have ever said to you, you know what, I'm super duper sanctified. I am super duper holy. You really ought to be following me because, man, I got this holy thing down. (laughs) Sanctification itself is hidden. And it's hidden from ourselves. Some of the dearest, dearest saints that I've had the privilege to know, and I've known many around the world, but some of the dearest saints I've known have struggled with some of the deepest doubts regarding their acceptance before Christ, their worthiness, because the more that they become in love with Christ, the more they see the leprosy, the more they see the spots. And so this, this sanctification, sorry, I'm, I'm starting to get off on that third point. We'll come back to that one next week. <laughs> well, let's just focus on the visible community uh, for the last five minutes. So Bonhoeffer says, the very nature of the relationship between the world and the church, the very nature of the relationship of God and his holiness being separated from the darkness, separated from the world, and yet as we see in the Exodus and in Leviticus, God entering into the world, bringing holiness into the world, The very nature of the world and the church is that you've got to have a visible thing called the church. There has to be boundaries. There's got to be something called the church. If there's not something that is called the church, then all this is meaningless. So if there is this visible community of saints, and this visible community is called the church, Bonhoeffer says, Sanctification is therefore possible only within the visible church. This is the first point, and it is one of the most crucial marks of sanctification. Sanctification is possible only in the visible church. Now, in different contexts, I I think many have heard me say, When Jesus says the kingdom of God is in your midst, he means it absolutely literally. He means the kingdom of God is in your midst. All the ethics of the New Testament are all about how we treat each other. They're not about how we feel generally benevolent to humanity as a whole. (laughs) They're not certainly not about the signs that we put up in our front yards to declare how much we care about general benevolence towards humanity as a whole. They're about how we treat each other. And so it's in the visible community of Christ, and specifically it's within the church. It is this church that is sealed by the Spirit. It is the church that is promised that it will be made beautiful, like a bride. And the church has to clearly define the boundary between itself and the world. There has to be a clear boundary or else who knows what Christians are? Who knows what any of this is? 
If there is no boundary line between the church and the world, then we're talking meaningless gibberish. There, there's got to be a boundary line. <laughs> Something that says this is the church and this isn't the church. And there are two ways in which that boundary line is drawn, according to Bonhoeffer. One of those is doctrinally. There is a doctrinal element to what makes the church the church. So, for instance, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That is a boundary line. You, there, there is only one way to approach, Jesus, to, to approach a holy God, and that is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is a boundary marker. Baptism is a boundary marker. Baptism is this profession that I am dead and I belong to Christ. It's a boundary marker. And so there are two ways in which this boundary marker is maintained. The first is in personal holiness or heart. And the second is in terms of the public message of the church. So what Bonhoeffer is getting at, so first let me let me just address quickly the the personal sanctification part. Uh, so he's speaking about those who would seek to grow in holiness without the church. That those who would see this as two completely separate things. I can just grow in my relationship with God completely divorced from any relationship to the church. Bonhoeffer says, this is the deceitful arrogance and the false spirituality of the old man who seeks sanctification outside the visible community of the brethren. It is contempt of the body of Christ as a visible fellowship of justified sinners a contempt which disguises itself as inward humility. Whereas it was the good pleasure of Christ to take upon him our flesh visibly and to bear it up to the cross. It is also contempt of the fellowship, for we are then trying to attain sanctification in isolation from our brethren. And it shows contempt for our fellow sinners, for we are withdrawing from the church and pursuing a sanctity of our own choosing, because we are disgusted by the church's sinful form. By pursuing sanctification outside the church, we are trying to pronounce ourselves holy. Bam. (laughs) That is what is known a few decades after Bonhoeffer as a mic drop. (laughs) The reason, and, and again, I would, I, 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 this is one of the, I think, the finest chapter in the book. It's one of the finest chapters in the book. If you never read any other chapter of this book, read this one. This is a, this is a beautiful chapter. It's a powerful presentation of the gospel right at the beginning. It begins with the holiness of God, and it centers on Jesus Christ. Uh, you will find in it much that is rich here. 
But as with some other authors, I often say, just read this, don't read any of that. <laughs> but uh, Bonover did, did understand this, this, this engagement with a person. And, and like I said at the very beginning, the, 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 the switch that flipped in my brain as a covenant child who grew up in rebellion against my parents, the switch that flipped in my brain was, I'm not rebelling against rules and, and all the hypocrisies that I... I'm engaged with a person. There is a person on the other end of this thing. That person is God. And I need to drop my knees because I am blowing up my life. I need to kneel before that person. And I will spend the rest of my life trying to understand it. And that's what sanctification is. It's, it's, it's lived out in the church. Uh, and as we'll see in the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, how this is maintained personally. And then that hidden nature of it. The, the, the way in which sanctification is hidden until it's revealed by Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is one of the most beautiful, just to circle back to that, uh, the most beautiful saints I know, and, and the most beautiful saints you know, uh, the most dear, godly examples of Christian men and women, universally, they all say, oh, I'm not holy. <laughs> it's hidden from themselves. Uh, it's when we like to parade our sanctification that it all of a sudden turns really ugly. So with that, uh, let us close in prayer, and then we'll go into our time of fellowship. Father, we do thank you that you have given to each one of us a body of believers in which we can grow in our love for you through our love for one another. Sanctify us by your word and by your spirit, for your word is truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.